Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, joined as always by Josh Snymer. Crum, we're going for a real race in Texas. And I think we got a lot of questions, maybe more questions than answers leading into this race. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough one to pick. Um, I think mostly because, to your point, there's, you know, the the all-star race we can look back at, but that isn't really indicative of a real race. And we've also got good pricing, I think, for all the drivers. So it's it's kind of hard to pick and choose how you want to fill out your lineup, but we'll obviously get to that later. Um, one other thing that I wanted to note from uh, this past weekend is that uh, it seems that payback is not free. It, it costs you sometimes. So that's something else we'll talk about. Um, but first, just want to talk about a few minor things. Um, the F1 2022 schedule is out, um, so there should be two um, U.S. dates on that calendar. Assuming Austin, uh, Texas, and the Circuit of the Americas negotiation gets worked out um, in terms of their contract with F1, um, they should be around the same time as this year, which is this upcoming weekend, actually. And then you've got the Miami Grand Prix, which is the new street circuit they're going to put around the Hard Rock Stadium. So should be pretty cool to see that. Um, I'll leave a link to the full schedule in the show notes. I think it's 23 races total. Um, outside of that, um, one other piece of news I saw was that Interstate Batteries returns as a sponsor to Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, mostly that's news because for me because I'm a Kyle Busch fan and I was happy to see his um, sponsor return. They're a longtime sponsor in the sport, so it's always good to see that. Josh, if you could have, this is totally off the cuff, but if you could have any sponsor on your race, your race car driver, what would you want? Any sponsor? Yeah, what, what sponsor would you like to have on your car if you were an NASCAR? Oh. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll give you my answers first. Um, so mine would obviously be Nike because I like nike way too much um i probably would think it would be cool if i had rowdy energy because that's kyle bush's energy drink that i'm drinking right now actually um on the side of the car that would be kind of cool um maybe maybe apple get some free apple products that sounds nice all right so off the cuff i would say red bull would be cool yeah because i'm drinking a red bull right now we're recording this friday afternoon instead of our usual thursday evening so we've uh replaced our alcoholic beverages with energy drinks we're real healthy <laughs> energy and water in the morning and alcohol in the <laughs> Uh, so Red Bull would be cool. I think Microsoft would be cool, uh, primarily on the Xbox end of Microsoft. Yeah. I'm a, definitely a big gamer and really enjoy my Xbox. And two, two really random ones. Um, one I could see happen, and that's Werner Ladders. Oh, yeah. Um, as a, a painter, I appreciate Werner ladders and how much better they are than all the other ladders out there. Uh, no offense, Louisville, you still make a good ladder, but you're not a Werner ladder. And then one that I think would be probably more likely to sponsor F1 than NASCAR is Festool. 
which is a German tool company. They do a lot of like dust extraction and um, it's more or less like woodworking equipment. But I have a lot of their products and they're by far the best on the market for for dust extraction and sanding and woodworking and all that kind of stuff. So that would be kind of cool. And they got a like a bright green color for their logo with a navy blue as the background color. So I think that could end up being just a really cool color scheme for the car too. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um very cool. I, I also just realized Yeti would be a good one. Oh yeah, Yeti would be cool. Um, again, we're not sponsored. We probably should figure out a sponsorship before we start naming a bunch. But um, that was that was a fun little experiment, I think. Uh, <laughs> now I, now I want to try to get into like playing around with a car design for Festool because <laughs> that's the one that jumps out at me: the navy blue car. With mm-hmm. the bright green pops of color throughout it. I'll do my best to uh, design an iRacing car to your uh, liking, maybe in the off-season here when we're not podcasting. That's how I'll spend my podcast nights. I like it. Cool. Um, well, before we get sidetracked anymore, uh, <laughs> do you want to remind everybody you can reach out to us on Twitter, um, follow us for some of our thoughts, or if you want to see kind of some of the major news we retweet, um, you can reach us at iRaceWeGamble on Twitter. So it's just at iRaceWeGamble, no punctuation, no spaces. Um, and then if you want to reach out with more long-form feedback or questions uh, via email, you can email us at iRaceWeGamble at gmail.com. So exact same handle, just at Gmail instead of at the handle. Did I make that sound confusing enough? Great. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about iRacing a little bit. Um, I still haven't done much iRacing. I'm hoping this weekend uh, I'll be able to get some in. Uh, been very busy um, lately and always, it feels like. So we'll see. Um, but outside of that, uh, the eNASCAR Coke Series finally ended their season. Um, at Texas for their championship race. Um, it was a relatively boring race, no cautions. Um, the two major contenders were both 2311 um, race cars. So the Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan team also has an esports team for NASCAR. Um, Mitchell DeYoung, who is a rookie in this series, but has won championships and I think almost every type of series on the service. So Road racing, dirt racing, um, he's one of the best all-around drivers there is. And so he took his uh, attempt at trying to win the Coke Series championship this year and came up just a little bit short. But still an impressive performance out of him. He led most of the race, eventually lost the lead to his teammate, who is Keegan Leahy, um, and then had kind of a bad pit stop timing on the last stop and ended up, I think, finishing fourth or so so not his best effort but he's he's an excellent driver and someone to watch for next year for sure um he was the dominant driver on any road course because he had that road racing background so we'll see next year how he does um one thing that was a little frustrating though is the the main iRacing broadcast i went back and watched it because i wasn't watching it live um but they were doing an interview with dale jr and they had it side by side with race action and they actually ended up missing the pass for the lead um, that ended up being the pass for the win. 
So I feel like the broadcast needs to improve a little bit. There needs to be a little bit quicker timing on, hey, there's the leaders are close to each other. Let's at least watch that. Um, it feels like a little bit of a lost opportunity there. Um, the other driver of note that I think was the most impressive from that race is Logan Clampett. He was another championship contender. He started 31st. So I'm not sure what happened to him in qualifying. But he managed to drive his way up to second, and that's with no cautions. And it's very difficult to pass at Texas. So huge shout out to Logan Clampett for making that kind of run up to the front. Um, really impressive. Honestly, probably had the best car and had the best drive of the day, but comes up a little short in the championship. Um, and then I, I watched a little bit of uh, my favorite iRacing streamer, Malik Ray. Um, he was just having fun kind of battling with guys in the 20s. It was it was very entertaining to watch his stream, which is why I like watching him. Even if he's not battling for the win, he's having a good time. Um, but he will go down to the Pro Series. Um, so the off-season, basically, um, of the Coke Series, uh, the bottom 20 drivers in the point standings go into a Pro Series um, where they face the top 20, basically, of the lower series. So it's kind of like a relegation where you have 20 guys from the top half or from the top series and 20 guys from the sort of road to pro series face off in a 40 cars. Like, I think it's like eight or nine events, maybe 10 over the winter. Um, and the top 20 from that get to stay in the Coke series or make their way into the Coke series for next year. So I'll be looking forward to see what Malik Ray does in the pro series in the off season. Um, probably won't podcast about it much because we won't podcast in the off season of NASCAR. I don't think. So um, maybe I'll tweet some stuff out from our handle if you want to follow us again at iRaceWeGamble. But let's move I think on. We'll, I, think yeah, we'll do a, I think we'll do a couple podcasts through the off season. Yeah, I could see like, a, I don't know, a monthly like like check-in. Yeah, if there's any big news, I think they'll more be more like special edition podcasts than your weekly dose of nonsense from us, but. Yeah, yeah. There might be some news about the next-gen car or the package they're deciding to use or anything like that that could um, give us a reason to podcast. Or maybe I'll do something really impressive in iRacing and really need to podcast about it, you know? <laughs> you never know. Not, I kind of hope so. <laughs> me too. Um, if we're not talking about iRacing, though, we are going to talk about the real-life stuff. Um so let's turn our attention to the Turkish Grand Prix that ran this past weekend before we start looking at NASCAR. Um, it was a really interesting race uh, because it was wet and it stayed wet the whole time, but it wasn't really raining, but it was super humid. Um, really weird. I've never seen that kind of race in F1 before, I don't think. Um, and it led to a lot of interesting pit strategy where uh, guys like Lewis Hamilton were considering staying out the whole race on their intermediate tires that he started the race on. Um, arguably, that's what he should have done, but I feel like Lewis Hamilton kind of got caught in between strategies a little bit because his team wanted him to pit for new tires. But by the time he did, because he disagreed with them, by the time he did, it ended up costing him and he didn't have enough time to make up the places he lost. So he ends up finishing fifth, which considering he took like a 10 place grid penalty due to some uh, engine changes, not a full engine change like Verstappen, but they did change the internal combustion part of the engine, um, meant he dropped 10 spots from his qualifying place. So fifth overall isn't bad, but I think he probably could have gotten fourth at the very least, potentially podium. Um, 
but Botas didn't have any penalties and he started up front and led the whole race and really just performed really well. Mercedes looked like they had a clear advantage uh, at the track, so it, it helped him in that case. Um, so Botas impressed me because he's been having a rough stretch, but he showed he could still get it done. Um, also, McLaren was not as good as we've usually seen them, partially due to the track and the style of the corners and the way that their cars work. Um, but I also think the rain probably didn't help them a ton in terms of what they were looking to do. Um, I don't think they're going to necessarily look like this the rest of the year. Curious to see how they look in Austin, to be honest. Um, but we'll we'll talk more about our Austin lineups and what we might do for that race next week. Um, and then Red Bull, just having a really successful weekend. Verstappen is now six points up on Lewis in the championship. Um, and Sergio Perez finally got back on the podium. So really good race from them. Um, and the fact that you had Red Bull as your constructor is what really won you uh, the weekend over media, not fantasy lineups. Um, Red Bull got you 59 points. I only had 25 from McLaren. So you beat me by one point, Josh, 165 to 164. How does that feel? Not good, honestly. <laughs> Especially because like, I feel like I need to make up points on you. And I had a little bit of extra budget to spend for a while, but now you're caught up to me in budget too. You're only 0.1 million behind me. I'm uh, I'm just bummed. It wouldn't have been so close if I would have just stuck with my boy Gasly, but true. I yeah. had to get cute, and that didn't work out. I mean, it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't awful, but no. Um, we both had. We'll see. I'd, li- I'd like to be up by more than 170, considering you haven't used your mega yet. That's fair, but I'm probably going to misuse it or forget to use it somehow. Um, I don't think that works. Both of those work for me. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to look right now um, when the next uh, sprint qualifying weekend is. Um, I don't think it's in the U.S. No. Uh, Mexico? No. I don't need pop-up ads on your website, guys. Okay, so it's going to be in Brazil. Interesting. So Brazil, November. 12th through the 14th is when they have a sprint qualifying. So that'll be the weekend that I really look to use my mega. Um, probably on Lewis, if I can make that work. But also, if Red Bull looks strong enough, then maybe Verstappen. He'd be the easier one since he's a little bit cheaper than Hamilton. So I got to keep my eye on Brazil in a few weeks. Or a month, I guess, pretty much. Um, yeah, that'd be the right time to use it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Unless there's a lot of uncertainty for some reason, I, I don't see that happening. But um, yeah, Leclerc was a good pick for me. Um, Botas was a great pick for me. Gasly, like you mentioned, was a good pick. But you you made up all of that with your Red Bull pick. A um, little bit worse with Verstappen and Sainz. We both had Ricardo. We both had Norris. Um, and then you had Russell, who didn't get you too many points, but didn't kill you either. So. Looking forward to the U.S. Grand Prix next weekend. We'll we'll talk about lineup changes and what we might do for that, and then I'll have my eyes set on Brazil in a few weeks. Okay, let's let's get to the NASCAR stuff. Let's get to the meat of uh, this podcast because there's a lot to talk about after that race. I think, um, Josh, I think I, I just need to start by saying, what did you think of Harvick's payback when he very clearly, both from the onboard and else other camera angles um decided to just gas it up a little bit and get into the back of chase elliott oh i don't think that was intentional at all 
<laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> You're no way to pull uh, that off. I think it was perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. And at, at the onset of it, it looked like it had the perfect intended result, too, because Chase Elliott's back end was wrecked. I know at the at the uh, beginning of it, he thought that he lost the entire back end of the car and was really thinking that that was going to be the end of his day. Fortunately for him, they were able to do the repairs that they needed to tape things together, I guess, and get the car back onto the track to make speed. Um, the reason why I'm saying I guess is there was a lot of metal flapping around on that car. Should there have been a black flag for that? Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's really uh, frustrating when NASCAR doesn't seem to stay consistent on their calls. I know we've we've talked to some fans, especially at Watkins Glen, that thought maybe there's some conspiracies to help Chase Elliott uh, do better. He's the most popular driver and all that. And I kind of brush that stuff aside. I'm not a big conspiracy person, especially when it comes to sports. You don't need to create conspiracies. The, the sport itself will lend itself to interesting storylines. But I, I just don't understand NASCAR's, you know, reason for not bringing out a black flag. I mean, w- one thing I saw on Twitter that I thought was super frustrating was, uh, I think it might have even been the official NASCAR account, tweeted something like, it was inevitable, caution is out for Chase Elliott's rear bumper. And one of the the pundits that I like to follow, Jeff Gluck, um, re- quote tweeted that and said, if it was inevitable, why didn't you give him a black flag? Like, we all know that bumper is going to fall off, and you shouldn't let a driver stay on the track with parts that are going to fall off the car. Like, in almost every case that I can remember, if a driver has a car that's, you know, potentially going to leave debris on the track, they black flag him, bring him in the pits. Especially because at one point, the bumper was taped on to, like, the, the what is it, the rear spoiler. So, like, you could see that it was it was on there good enough. But that tape eventually failed, and it fell to the point where it was flapping in the breeze. And it's like, okay, that should have been when they called the black flag. Like, oh, it didn't stick to where you guys thought it would. It's now at more risk of falling off. Should be black flag for that. I didn't like that call at all. Um, Granted, I'll give credit to Chase Elliott and that team for getting that car in a workable condition. They still finished 12th in the race, which is pretty amazing, um, considering how that car looked. But yeah, I I don't think that was uh, the correct call by NASCAR, which is unfortunate. Um, Harvick's payback probably should have worked, but yeah, it did it did not. Um, and I guess another guy who probably wanted payback but didn't really get an opportunity was William Byron. Um, he was in a position to potentially win that race, made some good calls in uh, from the top of the box, and had himself in a position to win. And then going in down the back stretch, uh, Tyler Reddick got into the back of him and caused him to miss the chicane, which meant he needed to stop and go. Um, so I, I'm Josh, I'm curious about a couple things. One is, do you think that was fair of Reddick? Do you think it was intentional? Do you think it was just a, you know, oh, we got a little bit hot and oh, well. Um, and then additionally, if that doesn't happen and maybe it comes down to the five and the 24 at the end of that race, 
do the does the five to twenty four win to get them into the playoffs the next round? All right, so we got a lot of this is an onion question right here because there's a lot of layers to it. Let me peel them back one by one. Um, yes, Reddick's contact with Byron uh, cost him a a chance to advance. He had to win that race, otherwise he wasn't moving on. He looked like he had a good car. He was getting up running toward the top there. And that little bump that kind of straightened him out, excuse me, and sent him through the chicane definitely put him back in the pack enough that it ruined his opportunity to win. Um, But I don't think it's fair to say that Reddick cost him in advancing because he still had a lot of work to do. I also don't think to answer the question, if Reddick did it on purpose, I think the answer to that is no. We've seen Tyler Reddick drive through corners consistently and run, you know, tracks like Darlington so fast along the wall that he's taken his passenger door off constantly. So I think that was just Reddick driving like Reddick drives. So went a little in over his head, maybe. Yeah, he just came in a little too hot and wasn't able to get the car turned. It's, you know, we saw Harvick kind of lock a wheel up too and not make a turn. And, you know, he ended up setting his car on fire. Reddick ended up being able to continue on with the race. But so, no, I don't think we can say that that contact cost Byron the advancement i think it did cost him the chance at advancing and i think it was on purpose i think if we're asking if it was fair or foul obviously the result and everything is foul but i don't think there was malicious intent behind it um and then the question of would the five let him win After losing 35 points the week before, I don't know. Um, But there's something to be said about having three teammates out of eight drivers left in the chase. It would have gotten very interesting because for a long time that race, Chase Elliott was running outside of, was running below the cut line. And his spotter was telling his spotter or his crew chief, I can't remember who it was, was telling him the worst we can drive back up into the chase. The worst thing that can happen right now is the 24 winning. Now, I believe at the point that the eight got into the back of the 24, Chase Elliott had driven through enough of the field that he was back above the cut line. So if that's the case where Byron moving up above that cut line doesn't push Chase to the first eliminated, then I think I can see the case for Larson letting him by and getting the win. However, if it's a matter of I let Byron by, I let the 24 by and that eliminates the nine, or I take this win and it eliminates the 24, I think at that point you just have to drive for the win because that's the name of the game and you nobody can get mad about that. 
I think you could see a little bit of maybe some malcontent, especially considering if that was the fact where it would negatively impact Chase Elliott. We've seen that he's a whiny little bitch over the last few weeks, and he probably would have whined and cried about that too. Um, And I'm guessing Larson probably wouldn't have wanted to deal with that. (laughs) So he would have just raced for the win regardless. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't miss an opportunity to take a shot at Chase Elliott and all that. Hey, he's uh, a spade's a spade, right? Sure. I'm just calling it how I see it. He's, uh, yeah, you know, I just, this whole race just gave me more, more, put more bad taste in my mouth about uh, Chase Elliott and. I'm in the camp of NASCAR favors him and he should have been black flagged, which would have really taken him out of contention to stay in the chase. And then who knows what would have happened with 12 to go when, in my opinion, Harvick knew that the nine was coming up hard on his bumper and tried to drive higher up into that turn and locked up his wheel. And that ended his race. I think he kind of tried to stay out of the nines way a little bit there and his race. And Chase probably shouldn't have even been there if he would have gotten his black flag and got called down pit lane. But, you know, as Rafiki said, yes, it hurt, but it's in the past. So move on. Um, Move on, move on. All that being said, I'm not convinced that Harvick's ready to move on. I think his goal was to eliminate Elliott completely. And since that hasn't happened, and we all know Harvick's a hothead, I don't know. I don't know if it's over or not. I, there is a report yesterday that there was a a large conference call with the Harvick and Elliott camps and NASCAR, where it sounds like NASCAR was the only ones who talked on the duration of the call <laughs> and threatened that there would be serious consequences should the on-track feud continue. So I don't know what those could be. I don't know if Harvick considers any type of consequence that NASCAR would, would step in and do to be enough in his eyes. I really think he wants Chase Elliott to be eliminated. I just, my gut saying that it's not over until Chase Elliott's eliminated, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, I've been rambling for long enough now. So we saw a lot of strategy out there, um, aside from the strategy of running into the back of the person that you hate the most. That might have ended up being the, I don't know, maybe it was the worst strategy play. What were some of the best strategies you saw out there on the Roval? Yeah, so, I I mean, we talked about this um, before the race in the podcast last week about the different strategies you could do to potentially get stage points or potentially put yourself in position to try to get a win. Um, I think I made it clear that guys like Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson potentially, although he wasn't totally safe, um, anyone outside the playoffs, anyone who needed a win, so you're looking at Christopher Bell, William Byron, Alex Bowen, all those guys are really just trying to get a win. The stage points don't matter too much. A playoff point for winning the stage is fine, but it's not going to make the difference if you don't make the next round. Um, and it especially doesn't matter if you're not in the playoffs still. 
So what we saw was a lot of people going for that race winning strategy. And I think Byron played it to perfection. Um, I don't know if, if you remember, but in stage two, Kyle Busch takes the lead from William Byron and holds it. it they have a, you know, a pretty steady, like one, one to two second gap between them, but they're, they're holding steady for that, almost that whole run in stage two. But William Byron pits before the end of the stage, giving up any stage points, whereas Kyle Busch takes the stage points, gets 10, which granted, you know, makes it a little bit safer above the cut line and gets a playoff point, but completely takes himself out of contention for the win. Um, he was too far back in traffic. Too many other guys who aren't worried about the playoffs popped over him. Guys like Benedetto, guys like Chris Buescher, Tyler Reddick. Um, they all ended up in a much better place because of their strategy. So in my mind, I would have preferred Kyle Busch take the more aggressive strategy to try to win the race. But you put yourself in that position and then you have to be up front. You can't fall back too far because you don't have stage points to lean on. So it's not as safe. Um, and so for that reason, I'm OK with what Kyle Busch and his crew chief decided to do. I mean, ultimately, they still get a good finish. It's just they didn't have any shot at winning the race once they decided to do that. They were just too far back. Um, I'll take a fourth place finish. Great. Um, he gets a decent number of fantasy points. Um, doesn't make the ideal lineup that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, selfishly, I wanted Kyle Busch to go for the win. Ultimately, he probably made the right choice. He, he played it smart. He got his points. He moved on. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see. And I think Byron really put himself in a position where he could have won. Um, maybe the five doesn't let him win because he wants those playoff points you talked about. Um, I think it's it's tough to say. Um, do you want to make sure your teammate advances and kind of put a favor in the bank so that if you need a favor from the 24, you can say, hey, look, you're the only reason you're in this or I'm the only reason you're in this round. Defer to me if you know you can help me in a race. Um, Maybe that's worth it more than the five five playoff points, but ultimately it, it's hard to say. Maybe the 24 doesn't get an opportunity to help him in any real way. So the five playoff points would be much more worth it then. Um, or maybe the five really isn't facing elimination. It doesn't matter. So tough to say on that call, but I think ultimately a lot of the guys played the strategy correctly. Um, I think Harvick was in a dire enough position that he probably should have taken the the win strategy rather than the stage point strategy, because he did get some good stage points, if I remember um, correctly, but he doesn't ultimately put himself in a good position to finish well. So hard to say sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from all that, were there any hot takes that you had aside from, I mean, I know you already talked about, you expect the nine to, or the, sorry, you expect the four to still get, try to get payback on the nine because he's not eliminated yet, but um, is there any other hot takes after this weekend? Uh, any others? No, but I want to just uh, expand on that a little bit. Sure. Um, I'm going to quote and paraphrase a little bit um, out of an article by Joseph Scrigley on uh, tobychristie.com. Because there's an article about what's breaking. What's breaking right now um, looks like he had a little bit of inside info, but I actually just got an alert from ESPN's app on my phone 
that NASCAR is trying to step in and squash this feud. Um, aren't wouldn't you say that like a good feud and little rivalry thing through the playoffs like creates good theater and good drama and wouldn't that be something that you would want? Yeah, it's it's NASCAR is in a weird spot because they love the sort of highlight reel of guys going after each other a little bit, but it's only to a certain point. Um, I think they get a little bit worried when it becomes a all-out war of I'm not going to let you finish this race. I think it's best exemplified by Matt Kenseth a few years back taking out Joey Logano at Martinsville. The crowd loved it. Everyone cheered what he did. But NASCAR still suspended Matt Kenseth for the next, like I think, two or three races because it's like, look, we can't have drivers thinking that they can get away with this consistently. If you want to do it, you just need to know the consequences. So it really comes down to, are you willing to pay the price that NASCAR is very much upfront about saying, hey, yeah, feel free to get him back. But guess what? You're definitely taking some heavy penalties if you do. So in that scenario, too, uh, Kenseth was eliminated the week before he dumped Logano. That's correct. Which shades of Chase and Harvick right now. Yep. Um, go three years before that, and you got Jeff Gordon wrecking Boyer. That's right. In the second to last race of the season. Yeah. Um, what else do we got? Those are probably the two big most recent ones. Those, those are the two that are like, there was no question that the driver getting payback was just getting payback. They're like, he was out there to crash the other car, no question. Is does does this feel to you like NASCAR just protecting their golden boy? I mean, no, because I think this really does come down to them just saying like, hey, we have to say that this is not what we expect from our drivers, even if they are going to promote the hell out of the feuds and everything else that happens. Um, I, I think the black flag call is the most questionable thing they've done around Chase Elliott. I don't think they've really done anything else to do him any favors per se. Um, but it, I think it just comes down to, Hey, well, we don't want to let this get too far. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you're crashing race cars. You could, you could get injured. You could get hurt severely. So like NASCAR can't just stand by when, you know, things get a little bit more serious. I know that, you know, the wrecks that we've seen so far haven't risen to that level of injury, but that's something you have to keep in the back of your mind. And um, I think for any driver, they would they would kind of have this same sort of reaction. <sighs> my hot take is, so I guess my hot take is NASCAR is protected, trying to protect Chase Elliott here. Yeah. Like we'll they did how... by not black flagging him. Yeah, I mean, that, that's and... more egregious to me. And from what I'm reading, it sounds like nobody had anything to say except for NASCAR on this conference call. So that to me kind of sounds like they were being courteous by taking the call, but didn't really care to hear a word that anybody was saying. And I just, you know, Harvick's got a history. I, I don't think it's over, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, it'll be curious to see, you know, whether he goes for more payback and what NASCAR's reaction to it is. Um, I mean, ultimately, if 
if Kevin Harvick keeps Chase Elliott out of the championship race, NASCAR is not going to say, oh, you get in anyway. They're just going to, you know, fine or give Harvick lots of penalties, but it's not going to, it's not going to fix the situation that Chase Elliott might end up in. So they can't protect him too far, really. Think about it. Um, but right. we'll see. All right. We've, we've discussed the, the serious situations of the past uh, weekend's race. Um, let's talk a little bit about ideal lineup. Um, it was a pretty straightforward one this week. Um, a little, I mean, I say a little surprising only because there weren't that many laps in the race, but the three guys who led the most laps and still finished well um, didn't make the ideal lineup, uh, mostly due to their price and the fact that they didn't have the place differential. But I'll just run through those guys real quick. So Kyle Busch led 22 laps, finished fourth, gained five spots, didn't make the ideal lineup. Denny Hamlin leads 25 laps, loses four spots, finishes fifth, doesn't make the ideal lineup. William Byron led 30 laps, finishes 11th, um, doesn't gain any spots or lose any. And he was only 10,000, but does not make the ideal lineup. And that's because you had a lot of really inexpensive drivers gaining spots. Um, the most points anyone scored was Tyler Reddick. He finishes second, gaining 27 spots, didn't leave any laps. Kyle Larson was actually second best, um, five points worse than uh, Tyler Reddick, finishing first, gaining nine spots, leading eight laps. Domenedetto, 57.9, finishing sixth, uh, gained 24 spots, so really just all-place differential for him. Um, Chris Buescher, I didn't even realize he finished third in this race. I don't know how he got up there or when that happened, but apparently good pit strategy by him. Only gains 13 spots, but he led a lap and he just finished up front. And at 7.7, that was great. Um, fourth most points on the board. Um, and then because you had those four guys, you couldn't fit Bush or Hamlin in. So you have to drop down to the seventh best driver, which was Daniel Suarez. At only 4.5 thousand, gets you 44.9 points. Seventh most on the board. Uh, finished 13th, gained 12 spots. Just a really solid day from him. Um, probably should have been one of our buy low candidates, but... Um, He's a little risky sometimes, and I did have him in an extra play that we'll talk about here in a minute um, that I didn't actually play. So hopefully some of you used my bonus lineup and made some money, but I did not. We had him in our guys we missed lineup too. Yeah, yeah, he we missed him. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, my my lock of the sixteen didn't look too bad, and I really did like the fact that I think he would have been in that sort of category with reddick and busher and benedetto where they're going for the win um and he's going to get a good finish because of it because he doesn't care about stage points but he ultimately had uh, i think it was an engine issue so he only does 57 laps before he's out of the race looked strong early though was in contention there with byron and kyle bush in the second stage um but he he killed me and most of my lineups um my uh, cash didn't fill because I tried to enter one last minute. I think it was like 67 or so different people were in it. And I thought that'd be enough, but I guess not. Uh, and my tournament didn't work out for exactly why I mentioned. 16 just didn't do it for me. But again, if you played my bonus lineup, which included the five of Kyle Larson, great pick. 18 of Kyle Busch, which was just outside the ideal lineup. 22 of Logano, also just a little bit outside the ideal lineup. 99 of Suarez, again, ideal lineup driver. And the 12 of Blaney, who was also just outside, um, those four would have quadrupled my uh, my uh, entry, but I didn't put it in a tournament. 
So if you have an idea for a tournament, kids, uh, put it in there. Don't don't hesitate because you could lose out. Josh, how did your uh, lineups do? Well, my lock of the nine worked out pretty nicely. It didn't look like it would, but yeah, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. It's uh, it's Chase Elliott on a road course. So. Yeah, but I don't I'm think you're expecting him to finish 12th, leading two laps. To be fair. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep keep locking him in. Um, I also did not expect Harvick to do his thing this race. I did, which is why I traded from him. <laughs> so that was uh, I didn't think we were gonna see that until Harvick was officially out of the running. But I guess on a road course, it's easier to get into the right spot of somebody's bumper to really send them around. Uh, so I, I ended up only hitting on the guys we missed line up my tournament and my, my tournament lost my cash would have lost, but it didn't fill in. Uh, so I managed to save five bucks on that side of things, which was nice for me. Um, and then obviously, you know, looking at my buy oh, the four, and him wrecking out and finishing 33rd turned out to be awful. It was looking like it was going to be pretty good. He was going to be a pretty easy top five finish, I think, until he overdrove that corner. But it's uh, that's how it goes sometimes. And we'll get back on track in Texas to bury the lead a little bit. I have a few lineups that I really, really like this week. Mm, okay, interesting. Um, well, you mentioned Harvick is your bylaw. Obviously, it didn't work out after his wreck, but um, such is the way with NASCAR races. I had the 20 as my bylaw, which wasn't bad. There were just a lot more drivers ahead of him that were also good. So I already mentioned the 99, the 17, and the 21, all good bylaw candidates that made it into the ideal lineup. Um, outside of that, you had Blaney and then Christopher Bell, followed by Priest and Bubba Wallace. And then it sort of tails off from there. Um, so Bell was a decent play, just wasn't enough to make up for my lock of the 16. Um, the, the bad expensive drivers starts off with the 16 with his engine issue, um, as well as the 19, who really looks way weaker than I would have thought this weekend. So he's always been pretty good on the road courses, even here. Um, just didn't look strong at all. Didn't have the same car, or at least the didn't work for him the way that Kyle Busch's car did. And then he got spun kind of late in the race. So that didn't work out. Um, Kurt Busch had a terrible day too, which I didn't really see coming. Um, he was kind of in the middle in terms of didn't make any of our lineups, but I wouldn't have expected him to do this poorly. I think he also had an issue where he got kind of nudged into a situation where he had to stop and go. Um, and then the 14, the 42, and the 9 all did not work out has great expensive plays. The nine was fine, to your point. Um, he got you enough points to be reasonable, but for his price point, he did not show good value um, at that that cost. But um, still could have managed to have a, a decent play with him if you needed. And your draft included him, and that was plenty to get by me because I had probably my worst draft result of the year. Um, if we look at the ideal lineup, it was 281 points. Uh, the guys we missed lineup was around 230. My drafted lineup was 118. Not good. Ooh. Not great. <laughs> Worst of the bunch. Um, so now it's four and seven. You've got me beat. 
so far. I have to win out at this point because there's four races left. If I win all four, I'll be eight and seven. Uh, don't see it happening, but I'll try. Uh, yeah, you were all in on that 16. I didn't want to say anything about it, but. Well, you did. You said it was a college car, and I was like, yeah, but they just did great at Daytona, and I guess I shouldn't trust them. It'll be interesting to see next year with the new car and them having a full-time cup team, whether they contend the way that, like, a track house has or not. Um, yeah, I don't know. But you, you had the 9, you had the 8, you had the 12. They were all good enough to get you enough points. Um you had the four and the 42, which weren't great, but it didn't matter. It was still better than my lineup. So you end up with 180. Not great, but plenty to beat me. Uh, any thoughts on the draft results other than what we talked about? No, I just hope we don't have that much red in the draft results this week. Yeah, it was. I like to color code our results. I'm usually like a bright green for ideal lineup, then green, yellow, red, orange, or orange, red, I should say. There's a lot of red. There's a lot of red in these lineups. Don't love it. Um, well, let, hopefully the lineups we create at, for Texas are a lot better. Um, so let's start talking about that race. We've got 334 laps, so we could be looking at some lap leaders as uh, important pieces in your lineup this week. First stage 105, second stage 105, final stage 124 in terms of laps. We've got the competition caution at lap 25, so call it a 25-lap practice session. The usual 550 horsepower low, or sorry, high downforce package at the mile-and-a-half track. Um, and Texas has a bit of a wide turn, flatter and wider turn two uh, than turn four, so it's a, a unique racetrack. Ultimately, I think that change makes it a worse track for passing and racing, but oh well, kind of have to deal with what we got. Um, and the fuel window is about 62 to 67 laps. So you're basically looking at a uh, fuel stop in every stage. The last stage is a little bit close, but you should be able to make it on one stop in the middle and then uh, obviously a pit stop at each stage break. Not sure if there's any sort of strategy with two tire stops that you could employ in there. Maybe with the competition caution to lap 25, you take four tires and then maybe a two tire stop before the end or a two tire stop at the first stage break. I'm not sure. but Something to keep an eye on, I guess. But I think before uh, we get into our lineups and our draft and everything, I want to talk about the points picture since that is now updated. Um, Josh, did you have any like big surprise out of the round two results? I mean, I know your prediction has gone pretty well so far, um, but any anything in round two that surprised you the most? Uh. Going back to the start of the playoffs, the fact that we only have two Hendrix cars left is surprising to me. Uh, but the hole that the 24 and the 48 were in going into the beginning of this round um, doesn't really surprise me that we're we're where we are. So I think we I think we're right about where I kind of expected us to be. Maybe that two is a little bit surprising still being in there, but. Yeah, I, th I think I would agree. Um, to, if, if at the start of the playoffs you said only two Hendrick drivers make the final eight, that's that's pretty surprising, um, especially since I had the 24 making the final four. That's obviously not what happened. Um, I think the other big surprise for me is the fact that three Penske cars are in the top eight. 
Um, we both had Kazowski out in the first round. I had Logano out in the second round. I only had Blaney making it through, but all three made it through. So impressive from the Penske bunch to to make it this far. And now they're at a point where they might be able to take advantage of Martinsville and Phoenix as the final two races. It's going to depend on whether they have enough points through Texas, I think, and Kansas for the next two. Um, but those last two 750 horsepower tracks could make a difference for them if one of them makes it to the final four, at least. Yeah, and Texas is a good track for Joey. Yeah, and I think Blaney too. Um, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm misspeaking, but I feel like he's he's decent here. Um, you are not misspeaking. All right, cool. Drive Blaney's actually a little bit better than Logano here. There you go. Perfect. All right. Well, if we look at our uh, predictions at the start of the playoffs. Through this point, you're up three points on me because um, I've had a couple more drivers eliminated than you have. Um, the two and the one have been eliminated from yours uh, at different points. And the 24, sorry. The 24 and the one are the two that have been eliminated at different points than you expected. I had the 24, the 20, and the one, um, I think. Or maybe it was the 22. In any case, I have three less points than you heading into the third round. Um, and I also don't have Byron in uh, as one of my final four drivers. So I need you to lose at least a final four driver in this round. So my bet would be the 22 or the nine if the four still wants payback. Um, those are probably the two most likely to miss out there. Um, and I don't yeah, have... The five and the 11 feel like locks at this point, right? Yeah, the way that they've performed in the playoffs. Denny Hamlin's got more playoff points now. He's got two wins. Um, this first couple rounds, so he's in a decent spot. He's only plus seven above the cut line, so it's not like he's safe, but he's shown strength. Um, and that team's good enough, I think, to make it through. So it'll be interesting to see. It's it, There's Larson, and then it feels like there's Penske and Gibbs. Um, I mean, obviously throw Chase Elliott in there too, but um, three Penske cars, three Gibbs cars. It should be interesting to see who makes it. Anything else you want to say about the playoff picture before we get into our draft here? Uh, no, not really. I'm just hoping that 5, 11, 9, and 22 comes true. That'd be pretty sweet. No, that would work out well. It'd be impressive. Um, I guess bef before I start the draft, I'm going to start where I should start, where I think everyone should start, and that's with the 5 of Kyle Larson. Should we make him an instant lock this week? Is, is there any reason not to have him in your lineup? Um, he's the most expensive, and he starts first. So that's those are the downsides, right? Yeah, I don't know. He just he doesn't have the greatest track record here. He did win the All Star race, though. The All Star race is in a real race. Yeah, but I mean, close enough. He's also been excellent no matter where they go, to be fair. If you don't think he's instant lock, then he's my lock. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I don't think he's instant lock. His best finish in a real race here is fifth. Okay. All right. Well, Kyle Larson is my first pick in the draft. He's my lock this week. I just, I believe in him to go out there, lead probably half the race, and win. So that should be plenty. 
So you started with the five of Larson, who you're locking in. That is nice for me because I don't think I was actually going to draft him this week. I'm going to do things maybe, uh, we're going to call it crumb style for my draft this week. I'm going to start with the four of Harvick. I saw that coming. Um, just the fact that he's starting in 24th is too juicy. Just just way too juicy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to add with him the one of Kurt Busch. Oh. Is Kurt Busch your buy low this week or no? He is not. Okay, all right. He's a little... I mean, he's not too expensive to be the buy low. He is one on one under our nine thousand dollar cutoff driver of Christopher Bell. The classic Christopher Bell always at nine thousand. I feel like, <laughs> um, but I think there's a little more value further down the board. Okay, all right, that's fair enough. So um, I don't have my dominator yet, and I don't have a playoff driver yet. Um, we. I don't. I think we kind of glossed over this when we were looking at the ideal lineup. There was only one playoff driver in that, which was odd. Now we're down to eight drivers. My strategy has been amended to I'm going to have all of my lineups with two playoff drivers in them. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Three is too tough with budget when there's only eight of them, and generally they're going to be the eight highest priced drivers on the board. Yeah, I'm looking right now. You've got the top four, five, six, seven, eight of the top. Not no, not or eight of the top ten. Kozlowski falls below Byron and Harvick, but that's that's it in terms of price. Yeah, eight eight, eight of the top eight. Yeah. Wait, what? No. No, it's eight of the One, top two, ten. Three, four, five, six, seven of the top seven. Yes. Eight of the top ten. Yep, seven of the top seven, eight of the top ten. Got it. Jeez, um, usually I have a problem doing math. Apparently, I can't even count while I'm doing this podcast. Podcasting is harder than you like than you think. Count, count to eight, Josh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what do I do here? Um, I think. Uh, I think I have to take away one of your potential buy low candidates in Ross Chastain in the 42 because he starts 25th, one spot behind Harvick. And I think he'll finish better than Harvick. And he's cheaper than Harvick. So I'm going to undercut Harvick pick by taking Chastain. And then just to make sure I get him, I'm going to take Kyle Busch in the 18th. He starts third. He's 13,000. Don't love that. But he won here last year. He's he's been more consistent as of late. I think he might lead some laps and get a top five. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to like Charlotte when we saw the Hendrick cars dominate, but Kyle Busch was kind of in the mix. Um, that's what I'm looking for, and I want to root for Kyle Busch this weekend. So put him in my lineup. All right. Did you say Chastain was your buy low? No, he's a potential buy low candidate, but he's not my buy low this week. Okay. We had the 18 and the 42. I'm liking how that one's coming together for you. 7,400 remaining. 
per 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 driver. Yeah. All right. Well, you uh, played this exactly how I was hoping you were going to play it. Damn it. So I am going to take the 12 and the 22, please. Oh, the Penske boys. Those are your uh, two playoff boys, it seems. Those are my two playoff boys. They are three and four on driver averages for this track behind Harvick and Kyle Busch. Uh, So driver averages has anything going for it. It's uh, I've got three of the top four and actually Kurt Busch is number five. Um, So I'm really just missing Kyle in the top five. Uh, So if, History wants to repeat itself. This lineup is going to be very, very difficult for you to beat. And I'm going to make it so you have no chance at coming back and beating me for the playoffs. Okay. Wow. Um, Now I'm kind of at an interesting point. I could go up a little higher and then get a budget pick. Curious what that would look like. Oh, man, do I want to do it? I think I might. I think I might just go all out here. And yeah, screw it. I'm taking Chase Elliott, twelve point five thousand. Starts sixth. Oh wow! Leaves me with two point three thousand left. <laughs> and with that, I'm and leaves that. and leaves me with the board. Yeah, yeah, you can have the board. That's fine. Um, there's a lot of guys I like in the mid range. I haven't talked about my uh, buy low yet, but maybe we'll talk about the guys we missed. Um. And with that, I only have 2000 left to spend, basically. So I'm picking between Timmy Hill, David Starr, BJ McLeod, Garrett Smithley, and Joey Gase. I know who I'd take. I'm assuming you'd take Timmy Hill because he starts dead last. Absolutely. Yeah. It's between him and Garrett Smithley for me. I mean, it's three positions difference, which maybe doesn't matter too much. But Garrett Smithley has more experience in slightly better cars. If you're looking at points per race. Uh, BJ McLeod has the best score there, starting 35th with 39.1. Timmy Hill's only at 23.4. Smithley and McLeod have the most races on the season, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's safest to go with Smithley. Um, Granted, the three spots might make a small difference, but I'm just hoping Smithley lasts longer in this race. Um, He might end up five laps down in 30th, but that'll be okay, I guess, hopefully. Um, so yeah, it gives me Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, and Larson. If I don't, between the three of them, if they don't lead the most laps overall, like more than a majority, I'll be disappointed. So I'm going to shoot for the moon and go for something crazy this week in my drafts. Yeah, that's, that's going to be my learning. So it's the 15 you're going with. Yep. All right. That I did not see coming. <laughs> You knew Kyle Busch now, now I am in a pickle. The question is, do I grab my buy low, sell high because I want them in a lineup? Or do I use my budget? I didn't use my buy low, sell high. Maybe that's a mistake, though. I wonder if we're both looking at the same driver. That'd be fine.
Boy, William Byron is tempting. He is. Yeah, I'm going to round out with the 24 of Byron. All the budget. That uses all of my budget, but it gives me a share of Hendrix, and you know I've been liking having a share of Hendrix. Mm-hmm. That rounds my lineup out as the 1 of Kurt Busch, the 4 of Harvick, the 12 of Blaney, the 22 of Logano, and the 24 of Byron. So you said you didn't pick your buy low, but did you pick your lock in there? So I have been struggling with who I want my lock to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm between Blaney and Logano. One of them to be my lock. It just feels like I'm going to pick the wrong one. Um, Can go by starting position. Logano has a better average finishing position. Blaney has significantly more laps led. Blaney has the better best finish and the worst low finish. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, my gut's saying Logano, so I'm going to do Logano as my lock. All right. Well, let's start the guys you missed lineup with our buy low candidates. Who Who is your buy low? The 47 of Stenhouse. Oh, man, he was he was mine, too. Damn. Was he really? Yeah. Yeah, he was on my board, but you can have him. That's fair. <laughs> of course he was. Yep. The other guy in contention that I guess I'll make my buy low, um, it was the 23 above a Wallace. I like him a lot at 7,000 starting 18th. But yeah, Stenhouse 27th at 5.7. That's just a lot of upside for both of those guys. Yeah, and that's what that's what I liked about Stenhouse so much. Yep. He's not going to lead laps, but place differential. If you're not leading laps, that's the next best thing. Uh, and if you, you know, you start a lineup out with somebody who's only 5,700, you can do pretty much anything you want. Yeah. So I guess with this guys we missed lineup, I feel like we have to throw Hamlin in there because he hasn't. He's one of the more expensive guys we haven't looked at. Either him or Truex. I don't know if there's a preference or if we want to try to fit both in. I don't hate the idea of trying to fit them both in, especially if we're starting out with Bubba and Stenhouse. All right, let's see what we can do with the 11 and the 19 in there. It leaves us... Oh, wow, yeah, that's still leaves us with 12.3 left, so yeah. Yeah, so we're going to do that. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then we scroll down to Brad Keselowski or Alex Bowman or Christopher Bell. Any thoughts on those guys? Oh, man. My gut saying is probably should be Kozlowski, but... I like Bowman better. He starts seven places worse, and he's Hendrick. <laughs> That's kind of my trump guard for... Would you Would you take the 48 over the two? Similar price points. Wow, they both kind of suck here. Yeah. Um... Or the twenty, we could we could go down to the twenty of Christopher Bell if we want to be super JGR heavy. You know who I else, who else I think is a sneaky snart here? 
is the ten, is the ten of Almirola. I don't like it. You don't like it? No. What What do you he's like? He's got about a him? good history. He's got a good history here, and he's starting in twenty second. I guess I just still don't trust SHR on these mile and a halfs. Like, when's the last time he did well on a mile and a half track? That's well, true. Vegas, he finished nineteenth. Darlington's not quite the same, but he finished 16th. Michigan, he finished poorly 17th. Keep going here. Atlanta, he finished... It's so hard to find a number 10, huh? Um, he finished 23rd. So his his range of finishes at these tracks, even going back to July has been 15 to 25, really. Um, Which is where he's starting. Yeah, so I I just feel like we can get more value out of a guy like uh, Christopher Bell or or potentially the Hendrick driver of um, Bowman just because they've had the most speed on these tracks most of the year. You got the three or the eight are in there, too. Yeah, I would I would say the three is a decent pick because he starts fifteenth. The eighth, or the, sorry, the eight of Reddick starting ninth is just too high up, I think for me. So I, between for me, it's between Dylan Bell and Bowman. Yeah, so if those are the three, then I think I probably lean Bowman. It's the second worst starting position, or yeah. for our for for our sake, the second best starting position, and the the best gear yeah and that that leaves you with 3100 left over so if you like the sound of this lineup but you want to upgrade somebody um i think you can do that i'm curious if you can fit i guess if you have bowman in there you can you can swap out truex for larson which that's probably what i would do we're off the jump um Maybe even my sw- my switch off the jump here would be Bubba Wallace out and Kevin Harvick in. Sure, but Kevin Harvick ones in a guys we missed, so he was eliminated from this exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this lineup. I think two Gibbs cars that we didn't pick: the Hendrick car, Bowman, two Bilo candidates that we both like. Uh, looks pretty good. Thirty-one hundred remaining. All right, lock it in. All right. Is there a particular driver that you think is going to lead the most laps? Who's starting, on, who's starting on the pole? Larson? Yep. Then Larson. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. Um, if I were to maybe try to look at anyone else, I guess I would say Chase Elliott. Um yeah, no, so after actually, Larson, I'd go to Blaney. Yeah, I can see that, actually. He usually runs really well, at least in the first half of the races. It's the second half that is questionable and whether he gets the finish he kind of deserves. So I'm fine with Blaney as the alternative. Um, so the 5 and the 12 is potential follow leaders. We'll throw that in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, let's let's get to the tournaments. Or the, sorry, let's get to the lineups that include tournament and cash. Um, I haven't set a cash lineup yet, so I'll talk about my tournament first. Um, I've got my lock of the five of Larson in there. I think you have to have him, honestly. I've got Stenhouse as the uh, your by low and 
could have been Mai as well. I've got the 48 of Bowman that I like from the guys we missed lineup. I've got the 18 of Kyle Busch because I'm rooting for him this weekend and I just want to see him do well and I think he can. And then I got my real buy low of Bubba Wallace in the 23. So I think that leaves me with 600 bucks remaining. Um, there's some good upside. There's some lap leaders. That's really what I'm looking for out of this lineup um, for a tournament. I think the 47 and the 23, or maybe even saying the 47, 48, and 23, I don't think that's a common combination you'll see. Um, so I'm hoping that's what sort of differentiates my lineup. But Josh, I'm curious, where did you go with your tournament lineup this week? So I ended up going with two tournament lineups this week because I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't pick which one I liked better. They have very different feels to them. Okay. Big so shot I'll, start, I'll start with the tournament I'm leaning toward. So the tournament that I'm leaning toward, let me just pull it up on my computer because it's easier to look at there. Um I start off with my two playoff drivers. That's the 11 of Hamlin and the 19 of Truex. Then I have Kevin Harvick in the four, mm-hmm. starting starting 24th with top five upside. Kurt Busch in the one, starting 17th with top five upside. And the 47 of Stenhouse starting 27th with top 15 upside. Yeah. So that's the tournament lineup that I'm looking at. I'm leaning toward. Big glaring hole in there. Hendrick. Hendrick. Yeah. So I made a second lineup. That starts with, instead of the 11 and the 19, the 5 and the 9. They're a little more expensive, right? Than those uh, two. They are. If for some reason, FanDuel is like striking out their price on my computer right now. Oh, there we go. Yeah, 14.5 for Larson, 12.5 for Elliott. Uh, 13.5 and 11.5 for Hamlin and Truex. So 2,000 more expensive. Yeah. Um, so I still have the one in the 47 in there. And then to save my 2,000, I go from the four of Harvick down to the 42 of Chastain. Yeah, I like that actually. That's a good lineup. So I couldn't decide which one I liked better. I think I leaned to the Harvick line. Well, we shouldn't call it the Harvick lineup. Let's call it the uh, the Joe Gibbs lineup. Yeah. I have the Joe Gibbs tourney and the and the Hendricks tournament. Yeah, your your Hendrick tournament isn't too far off from my uh, draft. It's just that I went for Kyle Busch and uh, the fifteen instead of going for two budget guys like the 42 and the and the 47 so um or well i have the 47 or sorry the 42 so it's instead of the 47 the one and 47 yeah those are the those are the probably safer plays rather than going with the really expensive guy and the really cheap guy but we'll see yeah i i love it it was hard for me not to have kurt bush as my buy low sell high because you actually He's just really good here in Texas, so I think I think I he's probably my most common driver in a lot of my lineups this week. Yeah, 
But um, just at that 8,700 to save 3,000 and drop 10 places in starting position for Stenhouse seemed too good to be true. Yeah, I, I think for my uh, cash lineup, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my lock and my buy low. So the five and the 23, I'm going to keep in there. And then what I'm going to do is basically base the rest of this lineup off of what you've said so far. Um, and I'm going to look at the one of Kurt Busch, the three of Austin Dillon, who we talked about a little bit, and the guys we missed, and the 12 of Blaney. I think that set of three drivers could perform very well, and I still got my five and 23 in there. So for now, tentatively, that's my cash lineup. Subject to change, I'll tweet out if I make any adjustments to that. But I like it so far. I've got, what is it, three guys starting outside the top 15, or top 15th or worse. And I've got Blaney and Larson as the lap leaders. So I like that one a lot. What yeah, do I don't I don't mind that at all. Uh so my cash lineup might end up going this cash lineup might also go into the the milli the million dollar tournament uh for the race this weekend. Because wow. it's by far my favorite lineup that I've built so okay. far. It has no Hendrix. But that's risky. But I have the 18 of Kyle. Love it. The 12 of Blaney. Sure. The 22 of Logano. Yep. I just can't ignore the four of Harvick. Okay. Just the fact that he's starting 24th and is only 10,000 is just so easy to put in lineups. And he's been racing so much better in the last quarter of the season. And then that is a very, very high budget. But there's a guy sitting down here toward the bottom of the ranking in the budget category. Not not a great driver average look for this for this guy, but he does have an average finish here of 17th. He's starting in 31st, so he's got that positional upside. I round this out with the six of Ryan Newman. I think he can I'm not looking for much for him with the 18, the 12, the 22 and the 4. I think if he can if he can drive up to 23rd from 31st, I think that's going to give me just enough points to to push me over the edge, especially considering I'm pretty confident that I have four of the top 10 and two if not three of them will be inside the top 5 this week. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, if he finishes 23rd, two laps down, he gets you 55.2 points. And let's yeah, compare. I'll take that. Yeah, exactly. Let's compare him to somebody like Bubba Wallace. Let's say Bubba Wallace finishes 15th, one lap down. He only gets five more points, and he costs 1.5 thousand more. So, from that perspective, I I think it's a good ch- choice. Um, looking at my buy low kind of as a comparison. I guess if we want to look at Ricky Stenhouse as another potential comparison, he's only five point seven. Could you fit him in that lineup if you wanted to? No, I used all of my salary. Oh, okay. He Ryan Newman was the most expensive guy I could round it out with. I would have done the forty-seven if I could have. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Because you look at him, you maybe say he finishes eighteenth, which is even below a little bit my expectations. Because um, I think he could, but I think it's right in the range of where we might expect. But if he finishes eighteenth, and we'll say one lap down, 
Um, he also gets you 60.8. So that's actually interesting. He gets the exact same amount of points as Bubba if he finishes 18th and Bubba finishes 15th. Yeah, so, so what, hap- what happens if Newman drives up to 21st? That puts him at 58.2, just two points back. Um, let's see. And an can... average finish of 17, so if he gets to his average finish. Yeah, yeah. So if he finishes 19th, he gets more points than uh, Stenhouse in 18th or Bubba in 15th, if we're looking at sort of projections. Yeah, and I, I think you could see the... I'm going to say that Stenhouse and Bubba finish better than Newman, but you know, no, like I'm you were not. saying, fi- 55 points from Newman for a 25th place finish and being two laps down, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, especially if the rest of the lineup hits, which you could get three guys in the top five and Harvick could finish top ten. So, Yeah, so there's a there's a good chance that this lineup's going to go into the, the high buy-in uh, million-dollar tournament on FanDuel this weekend, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of experimenting with uh, lower price drivers. Like I, I in the draft, I really wanted to go with the f- someone like the 15, a really low price guy, just to see what I could put around him. Um, once I realized I could pull that off, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be messing around with lineups a little bit the rest of today and tomorrow uh, before the race. So I'll tweet anything if there's any adjustments or new lineups we think of. Um, but I think that pretty much covers everything. Um, Josh, is there anything else we need to look at? Fort Worth, Texas on Sunday, 75, only a 3% chance of rain. Thank goodness. Let's let's get a real good race in on Sunday. Um, Bills don't play until Monday night, so I don't have to worry about that. I'll just keep red zone on in the corner while I'm watching this race and uh, see how it goes. And the Cowboys are the 425 game of the week against the uh, New England Cheatriots. And, uh, yeah, so I should be able to catch a good majority of this race uh, throughout the day. And then once that Cowboys game kicks off, it will be relegated to the laptop. Yep, that's fair. Um, and we'll be, we'll be keeping a close eye on how everybody does. But uh, I like our lineups. I think we've got a good shot this week. Um, I'm not expecting a ton of drama, but you never know. We'll see. Um, maybe the four wants to block the nine a bunch. We'll, who knows at this point? Um, but yeah, we'll we'll catch everybody next week and enjoy the race this weekend.